A hearty good afternoon to you. It's 10th of November, 2023. I want to uh, encourage you for this lesson, and I, and I hope that you have had it on before, but to put your thinking cap on. This, I'm going to review Ephesians 1. I know that I spent, uh, the first in this series was an introduction to Ephesians. This is a review of Ephesians 1. Whenever I talk to people about predestination and, and being chosen of Christ and foreordination and election and all those things, what I ask them to do is go to Ephesians 1, 1 through 14. And just work that over in their mind, and then when they're ready, come back and explain that to me. Because um, this is not, okay, spiritual things are not things that you can wrap up in neat little packages and put on your shelf somewhere. Okay, we have this, this sense of having a compartmentalized spirituality. Okay, grace goes over here. Uh, love goes over here, um, and if you're <clears throat> of a certain theological bent, you'll say, well, free willism goes here, and if you're the other kind, then you'll say, well, election comes here, and there's a world of difference between the two, and that's one of the reasons why I am getting into Ephesians, and I'm going to make reference to other places, and I have made references to other places in the Scripture. So this is not menu-driven stuff. This is not easy-to-digest stuff. This is, not, this is not Christianity light. Okay, this is, if you genuinely want to make your Christian life a, a viable part of your life, you'll pay attention. If you don't, then you won't. It's a... Uh, that compartmentalized spirituality, you know, we have. But I'll tell you what, if you get to understand what what Ephesians teaches you, you'll be amazed at the grace of God and the foresight or the foreordination of God. And then you'll be eternally grateful. So with that kind of introduction, I'll get to the review of Ephesians 1. And you might ask why I am even reviewing Ephesians 1. <laughs> Learning is repetition. They told us in seminary, okay, here's how you do it. You tell them what you're going to tell them, then you tell them, and then you told you tell them what you told them. Okay, so this is the you tell them what you told them approach. But it's also because there are some things of vital importance that need to be firmly grasped, so the student of Ephesians can better understand its message. You note, you you will note that that Paul reaches back to a time he calls before the foundation of the world. And then he brings his message and his lessons from that point. Okay. 
Yeah. How did Paul come to know all this? How did Paul come to see all this? Well, you know, in the Lord's dealings with him, you know, what comes to mind is he got he got struck blind for three days. I don't know what God showed him, because obviously what Paul saw, um, not necessarily in those three days, but what he saw in his ministry was some pretty earth-shaking stuff. But if if we can, and let me just play the other side of this, if we can acknowledge John's vision in the book of Revelation, where he speaks of uh, things which are yet to come, then it is logical that we can also grasp things that took place before the foundation of the world. Because John in Revelation speaks of the things that speaks of the end of time, and then things beyond that. Paul goes back the other way, and he talks about things that happened before the world was ever created or founded. And uh, if if you can see John's revelation, if you can grasp that, then you can come back and see Paul, what Paul's talking about before the foundation of the world. Paul gives us this look, this vision, if you will, so that those who have been recipients of those things of which he speaks might know the antiquity of their own place and position in Christ upon earth and how all of that was rooted in a place called before the foundation of the world. Now, part of this analysis will include the following points. That is, what it is, where did it come from, what is its application, and what is its result? We will also look at the phrases in whom and according and then at the progressive blessings and benefits imparted. Verse 2 of Ephesians 1. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. That gives us an example. Okay. What is it? Grace and peace. Where did it come from? God our Father. What is its application to you, the saints at Ephesus and the faithful in Christ Jesus? It does not name here the specific result as that had yet to be seen. And if you turn to Revelation 2, 2 and 3, where uh, the angel speaks, addresses the, the, or John was instructed to speak unto the the messenger of the church of Ephesus, uh, write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know your works, 
and your labor and your patience and how you cannot bear them that are evil and how you have tried them which say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars and you have borne and have patience for and for my namesakes have labored and has not fainted but then he says nevertheless i have somewhat against you because you have left your first love so there is kind of the results the church at ephesus was equipped in a lot of ways and they were uh, the jesus conveys the message to them that they had done a lot of things right but then there's that nevertheless thing okay so there was results with regard to the church at ephesus now we go back to uh, Ephesians 1. Remember that verse 3 was a synoptic view, an overall view, okay? Uh, and verses 4 through 6 showed the particular application of what was stated in verse 3. The first thing we look at is the term according. According, so... Uh, how things fall out is according to certain things, okay? So let's see if there's any human endeavor involved in any of these things. In verse 4, which begins the particular list of spiritual blessings God had blessed us with in the heavenly places, the term according refers back to what was stated in verse 3, Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with those spiritual blessings in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. Okay? So, God, before the foundation of the world, had chosen us in Christ. To the end, we be holy and without blame before him in love. Another part of being blessed in the heavenlies is being predestinated unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to what? The pleasure of his will, and not according to anything we did. It's according to the pleasure of his will. So the origin of that whole thing was the pleasure of his will. The end of that being the praise of the glory of his grace in that God has made us accepted in the beloved who is Christ. Get his grace, the glory of his grace. So in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to what? According to the riches of his grace and nothing else. So we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace and nothing else. Don't put yourself in there because you ain't there except for that you are a passive recipient of it as a result of you being set aside in Christ before the foundation of the world. In that, then, God had abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us through the aforementioned process the mystery of his will. According to what? According to his good pleasure, he made it known unto us. And that is what he purposed in himself. 
And nothing else. God, Christ, needed nothing outside of himself. So also in Christ, verse 10, we have obtained an inheritance because we had been adopted in Christ by Christ according to the good pleasure of God, reflected in verse 5. Predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. And so all of this is according to the purpose of him who works all things after the counsel of his own will. God doesn't apologize for that. God doesn't apologize to you for that. Obviously, the free will I object to because you erase the omnipotence of God. You you erase you erase essentially the whole character of God. And I have an issue with that. Now, here I want to pause and ask this question. Do, and this maybe is a, is a fundamental question. Do you believe that God works all things according to the counsel of his own will, regardless of how trivial, regardless of how monumental, it might be. Does God work all things according to the counsel of his own will? So the manifestation of the power of God is shown in verses 18 and 19 of the first chapter. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened Notice enlightening. This is not a self-enlightenment. This is something that comes from an exterior source. That you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to what? According to the working of his mighty power. If... If you not you don't have any power of and by yourself, you're strengthless. You know why? Because you're dead. You're dead in trespasses and sin. So the manifestation of the power of God is shown to us there. He gives light. He gives illumination to your understanding. So we might know the hope of his calling and the riches of the glory of his inheritance and the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to what? The working of his mighty power and nothing else. All the things which Paul speaks, of which he speaks, and the things I have listed thus far have been put in place before the foundation of the world. Verse 20 speaks of the things that were wrought in Christ at a specific point. That is, the working of God's mighty power in resurrecting Jesus from the the grave and set him at his own right hand. And I suppose one might maintain that the same is effected when God makes us a new creation in Christ. 
that from the certain death of our natural birth, God brings forth a new creature. That new creature, the new man, is one and the same as the one chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. Get that. If we then are predestinated unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ unto himself, then that predestination assures the realization of the blessing. And it is according to the good pleasure of God's will and nothing else. If we be chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world, as in verse 4, the end of that choosing of God will be that we are holy and without blame before him in love. Now, don't think that you are in the flesh going to be perfect. I'm talking about imputation, the imputed righteousness of Christ. That's what I'm talking about. But this would have to do also with our justification and our sanctification before God. Because of the finished work of Christ on the behalf of those who were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. You see, it's all one one package that goes through the cycle of time and creation. It is packaged up before the foundation of the world. Now listen, I'm going to give you some references here. Second Thessalonians 2.13. Let me look at that. Yeah, it is. That's what it is. Okay. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath, God has from the beginning chosen you to salvation through being set apart and set aside by the Spirit of God, that is, sanctification of the Spirit, and what? And belief of the truth. You can tell the truth to 100 people, and maybe nobody will believe. You go to the next 100, maybe one will believe. Because the carnal man is naturally opposed to the truth, except for those who are chosen of God. John 17, 1, Jesus is speaking, is praying to his Father in the Garden of Gethsemane, just before his crucifixion. These words spake Jesus, and he lifted up his eyes to heaven, and he said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son may also glorify thee, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Okay? It says what it says, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. That as many as obviously denotes a fixed number. Now, in, in view of Ephesians 1.4, at what point were those given to Christ by the Father? According to Ephesians 1 4, 
he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. 2 Timothy 1, 8 and 9. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us, according to the power of God, who hath saved us, called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, not according to our works, were saved and called with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to what? His own purpose and grace, which was given us when? Which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. If you don't see the link there, it's because you don't want to know and you don't want to pay attention to it. It's there. In John 10, verse 24, Then came the Jews round about him and and said unto him, How long do you make us to doubt? If you be the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you believe not because you are not of my sheep. You believe not because... The reason you don't believe is because you're not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep, emphatically, this is something that he states emphatically, my sheep hear my voice. And the people that hear my voice are my sheep. And I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man, not even themselves, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. I and my Father are one. Romans 8.28 We and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. This is 1 Corinthians 2.7. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Okay, and I'm just going to go back to Romans 8, 28, 29, maybe 30. And, and in that I want to talk to those who already know they are the sons of God. And we know that all things work together f- for good to them that love God, 
to them who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, he did also predestinate, he predestinated them to be conformed to the image of his son. So the basis of that of conformity, of your conformity to the son is based upon the predestination of God, not upon your willingness or your unwillingness. Remember, God is the one that's omnipotent here, not you. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren, moreover whom he did predestinate, he called. So who did he call? Those he did predestinate. Whom he called, them he also justified. Who was justified? Those who he called and those he he predestinated. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Who's glorified? The justified. The called. The predestinated. You see how it works? Now, there is no compatibility between the spirit and the flesh between the old natural man and a new man in Christ. They are of different origins. That born of the flesh is flesh. That born of the spirit is spirit. The natural man does not receive the things of God, neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. I'm going to read John 5:37 uh, 5:37 through 5:42 Jesus is speaking to the Jews here in the context and these are the words of Christ and the father himself remember he's speaking to the Jews and the father himself which hath sent me hath borne witness of me you have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his shape, and you have not his word abiding in you, for whom he hath sent him you believe not. Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. And you will not come unto me that you might have life. I receive not honor from men, but I know you, that you have not the love of God in you. Okay, and what it says in 540, you will not come unto me. They were unwilling. And in another place it says, no man can come unto me except the Father which has sent me draw him. So it has it breaks down to both, willing and ability. Volition and ability, they, they had neither one. Why? Because they were not going back among those who were predestinated. That's why they couldn't. Now, in closing, I will go through the list of blessings given to us by the Father through Jesus Christ. In verse 3, he has blessed us. In verse 4, he has chosen us. Verse 5, he has predestinated us. Verse 6, 
He has made us accepted in the beloved, that is Christ. Verse 8, he has abounded towards us. Verse 9, he has made known unto us his will. Verse 11, we have obtained an inheritance. Verse 13, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. All that's according to his plan, his purpose, and his will, and his good pleasure. I think it's kind of a personal observation here. There are those, actually there are too many of those, who have been delivered from the darkness of this present evil world, but they yet walk in the shadows of the light in their struggle with the flesh, that is the carnal natural body. They have not the desire to walk in the light as he is in the light. Their unsureness is based upon the idea that there is something they have yet to do, not realizing that it's not based upon works. It's based upon faith. It's based upon, and I just showed you what it needs to be based on, Go back to before the foundation of the world. And listen to this again if you have to. Go back over the messages again if you have to. There's no reason for you to walk in the shadows. I think every person who has a sound mind lives and walks in one of two things. I'm assuming a rational mind here. Okay. They live and walk in fear, or they live and walk in faith. Okay, so the ones that are walking in the shadows are walking in fear. Faith, listen to the definition of faith. The substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. The evidence of things not seen. Okay, faith provides evidence, but you can't see it. Faith provides a substance, but it's something that you hope for, okay? Fear puts you in the shadows. Fear causes you to hide from the light. There's this, uh, there's a story in the, in the Gospels. This is in Mark. Uh, let's, and let's just go back to Mark 5. Uh, it's kind of an interesting uh, point to make, I guess, if you will. And, and I'll close out with this this observation. Mark 5. So he just... He just uh, had just healed a woman that had been afflicted with this uh, issue of blood for many, many years. And he had perceived that she touched his clothes and that some virtue had gone out of him, but she was was healed. And um, he says, 
who touched my clothes? That the woman who was fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and, and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of your plague. Now, this next, the next aspect of this is something, because that was the, what led up to this, okay? So in verse 35, while he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house a certain, certain person who said, uh, thy daughter is dead. Why do you trouble the master any further? So apparently somebody who, who had come with, with the ruler or it would accompany the ruler uh, advised him that his daughter's dead. Uh, man, don't trouble the master. But Jesus heard the word that was spoken. And he said to the ruler of the synagogue, be not afraid, only believe. Okay, now, you need to appreciate what kind of a position the ruler of the synagogue is 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 in here. Okay. The ruler of the synagogue was a guy who, who upheld and maintained his position and also his orthodoxy in the law of Moses at the old covenant, right? Basically, you're, you're orthodox Jew. Now he has then before him a conundrum. The ruler of the synagogue had before him this difficult thing. Because uh, Jesus tells him, don't be afraid. Just believe. Don't worry about the shadow of death. Just believe. Don't worry about your inefficiencies. Just believe. Because of this position, if, if he assented to the healing, if he witnessed his healing, then the light of that miracle and in, in the, the deliverance of his daughter from death, and she was about 12 years old. Everybody else thought she was dead. And if you read the context, you'll see that Jesus went to his house and healed her. And Jesus said to the crowd that was there, why are you all fussing about this? Why do you weep? The damsel is not dead, but she's sleeping. Okay, this is that conundrum that this the leader of the synagogue got put in. Is he going to send Jesus away because he doesn't believe? And is he, is he going to gamble the life of his daughter on that? Or is he going to follow his heart as a father? You see, he may be feared for what would happen as a consequence. But his desire for his daughter was more powerful. Sometimes walking in faith very frequently involves you walking against the grain. Walking against the majority, being the still small voice in a big dark crowd being a lonely light in a pervasive darkness. 
being a person of character and honesty and truth when all around you doesn't even know the definition of those words. Be not afraid, only believe. Don't fear, have faith. Don't fear, have faith. So I hope God has blessed his word to your heart and the the bounty of the truth of God in Ephesians chapter 1. And Lord willing, next week we'll go to chapter 2. You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. And we'll pick it up from there. I hope that Somehow, your listening to the word today has profited you in some way. Thank you for listening.